coming to you from our new home at DynastyLeagueFootball.com and a DLF family of podcasts. We are the Superflex Super Show. We talk QB values, Superflex strategies, evaluate and debate Superflex trades, plus our own twist on Superflex team management with exercises like Tinderflex, Super 6, and You Are Nuts. So when you're done with this awesome DLF podcast, find us on Twitter at Superflex Show and join us in the discussion of the fastest growing format in all of fantasy football, Superflex, on the Superflex Super Show. Yeah, so I'm editing this episode and I've just decided to take a section from the end and play it up front just to just to let you know where the thing went because I found it hilarious and uh, yeah, we're just going to do that and then we're going to get to the interview. Let's, I don't have drops. Um, late, later in, in this episode, Jeff Bell kills P.A. Howdy basically. This is me trying to own my chickens coming home to risk. Because to be fair, I'm very disappointed in this episode. Because I see Jeff's <laughs> smiling face. And all I see on Twitter is him making hilarious joke after hilarious joke. And I was like, I'll ask Jeff to come on. Because he's hilarious and that'll be funny. And you come on and you're giving realistic, interesting football analysis. What the fuck is with that, by the way? No, not a single meme. Like, I was just here to have a few laughs. And, and so what I'm what's happening now is, because that's all I see on Twitter... I just am constantly troll tweeting you. Like I make fun of what you say. I do one-liners. I'm constantly replying in uh, aggressive troll form. And now you've come onto my podcasting like I'm gonna trash everything he loves. That's what you do. <laughs> and it's not that it's not earned, Jeff. It's not that I don't deserve it. I get it. It's just I'm just gonna take it like a man. It's fine. You you've earned this space. I've been too mean for too long. You're actually a professional analyst, and I've been just uh, enjoying memes you're, with you for too long. And so you're like, you know, Tyler Boyd sucks. You know what? You right know there. what? You know what? The, there is no difference between Tyler Boyd and Van Jefferson. Just sit there and take that peek. Just eat it. Just eat it while I <laughs> while I continue talking. You just pain, Jeff. Top to bottom. Like, well done. Do you have the time to listen to me grind? Take down the film watchers and learn some at once. I am one of those skeptical of status quo. Lazy and to the bone, no doubt about it. Sometimes I grind my Excel sheets. Sometimes pour cold water on heat When the mask's not adding up You said I'm checking out I'm just piling Working to the ground Yeah, for whom the bell tolls, is that right? For whom J bell tolls is. is I didn't even notice. Nice. Yes, who J bell? You personalized it. I like it. I did personalize it. There's a level of wordplay going on there, so I consider myself a bit of a wordsmith. I, I like. I you know I 
maybe a, I don't know if it's a fantasy football renaissance man, but I like to write a little bit more than I like to do video content usually. So um, it just, I like to play with words a little bit. And so that's kind of where that handle came from. So um, I enjoy it. And, but I do, it's one of those that I don't really notice other people's and it is something that a lot of people noticed about mine. So I'm grateful for that. Cause I, I kind of the same way I noticed the picture. I noticed the name of like what you're calling yourself on Twitter instead of what the actual handle is. Cause it, you know, there's two different levels there. You know, I, I dabble, like I knew the Matt, like the Matthew Berries and like the big accounts and, and those that mm-hmm. many, so many people out there. And so it was one of those things that it was just a, something I thought of like decades ago or decade ago, essentially. And just kind of randomly made that my name, not expecting anything to really come out of it. And then, you know, I get into it and everybody's like, Oh, you got to have FF in your name. Like, you, you know, who's going <laughs> to find you? You don't have FF in your name. And it was like, now nah, I'm cool. I'm all right. Like, you know, I'll be cool out here. You, cool. you, you can find me if you want to. If not, then if I don't have FF in my name and that doesn't mean that you find me, then I, you know, I'm sorry. But um, what do you do now, Jeff? Should probably just move that right along to something. Yeah. Relevant. You're at Football Guys. You're at the Devil Royale. Written content, doings, video content for Football Guys. And then the Devil Royale is my, um, it's my baby. It's my brainchild. It's my podcast that... We are almost coming up on a year running on it. So that is a podcast that we dive into Debbie. We do college football on there with Kevin Colin at the boys underscore 22 and Christian Williams at C Williams NFL. Um, Everybody kind of knows those guys on Twitter. They make themselves um, known all around and um, they are almost like family at this point. I think anybody that's kind of had a long running podcast that you meet the same, see the same people every week and you talk to them way more than that. So um, that is our, our show. So those are my primary two outlets um, would be Tuesday nights at nine 30 on the Debbie Royale and then all kinds of written content, whatever I can put up on football guys. If you've read my stuff, like I don't like to do like the, I have little interest in writing a start this guy, sit that guy column. I, I think there's a lot more different ideas that can be explored and that can be more beneficial to a reader to build kind of toolbox out a little bit of how to look at situations. And, and I like to look at football scheme and, and who's going to be used in these situations or trends. Like, you know, I wrote an article at fantasy pros talking about um, how, so and it's this is kind of your world because it's would be vacated targets a little bit where so many people uh, will will look at um, like a Josh Palmer and say, well, if Mike Williams leaves and he's going to be the guy. But I did a, a whole dive over like the last handful of years. And the reality of it is, is when you've got a guy that's a big part of the offense that leaves in free agency, either the team drafts a guy in almost the first round without fail or they sign an equivalent player. They, they, it's just like very off, very rarely do players really ascend up the depth chart. And, and I think you've done a lot of work in that area as well. And so I, I just think that there are things like that, that in dynasty can really benefit players, dynasty players to understand situations, to really look for, you know, kind of how to build your rosters out and those type of things. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the Devi Royale because it seemed like a good segue into rookies, but now I'm actually more interested in that. Um, so the live show and podcast sounds really cool and listen to that. But um, what have you found 
personally like you just mentioned the whole uh thing of what you found but genuinely do you have rules or particular signs or signals that you look for because i found similar things the whole expectation of what players already on the team are going to do based on who has left largely seems to be overblown or inaccurate it has no connection or correlation it's not that it doesn't clearly have an effect if one player is no longer on the depth chart but the players that are on the depth chart are what matter just splurge like what do you yeah how do you go about what's the process of figuring out a situation what's important to look at so so, well so the deep dive that i did like i looked at contracts that were signed in free agency for the guys that were leaving and i said that if this guy has earned a lot of money with his new team clearly his performance has necessitated that raise and the reality of it is that impact was so big on the team that they are going to spend resources to make sure that that production is equaled within their success and so it's so often that it seems like all the top like wide receivers that get signed for big money, the team just turns around and uses a first round draft pick to replace that guy. It's like almost a one for one situation. If not, they might go down the ladder a little bit, but I think the reality of it is, is when the NFL teams look at money in those type of terms, they're just going to be sign their own guy. You know, it's, it's, if I have to spend five, 10, 15% more to keep Chris Godwin versus bringing in Juju Smith Schuster to try to be Chris Godwin. Well, I know, and I'm comfortable with Chris Godwin. So I'll go ahead and give him that money. Whereas uh, if he is going to leave, it does seem like, especially the way that the draft is structured after free agency, that hole has been created in the team and they're not just going to play the guys that are there. And I think that that's where the fallacy comes in so many times with dynasty players is assuming that I've got this chip and he's going to move up. Then, then I am going to get Tyler Johnson's going to be Chris Godwin and I'm going to win. And no, Chris Godwin's incredibly important to the Buccaneers and the Buccaneers are going to spend resources to make sure that Chris Godwin has being replaced. If they were comfortable with Tyler Johnson being that guy, Tyler Johnson would already be that guy. Now I do think that there is, there is efficiencies in the market that can be used to do that. You, you know, you can hold your Josh Palmer right now or hold your Tyler Johnson. And the moment that Chris Godwin does leave trade them, trade them for a draft pick, because that is how you play the game. That is how you play the game of dynasty football. I think that's, yeah, I think that's an interesting phrase because you can play this game and various aspects of it a number of different ways. And I, I always advocate for leaning the direction you enjoy or you find the most success because you could just be different at different elements of the game. John Bosch, um, he's a value hawk. He just, his mind works that way. Whereas some people like Travis May from Rotoviz, he is an excellent scout. He does well at evaluating talent. Um, and so they just lean into those aspects. And I find that interesting. Um, but also speaking specifically of vacated situations or these situations we have to read, I think your way of approaching it that you were just talking about, that part of it at least, um, is interesting because there are two elements to it, right? There's what the team wants to do and also uh, what the players are capable of. There's a, there's a talent quotient of it. So intention is important. And I think with contract information and who they sign and don't sign, like much like with vacated targets, that is a number. I think it's an indicator stat. I think it's telling you something about what the team is trying to do. And from there, you've got to one, guess their intention, write about their intention, obviously. But then you have to hope that they are able to follow through their intention, which brings us to the second part of that 
that type of problem, that situation, which is what players are going to do regardless of what anyone else intends. And there is a talent portion to football. Obviously, in the NFL, everyone's extremely talented. Do you do anything with that aspect of it? Because like John Bosch would be like, I, I don't don't care. Value, youth, positional value. I can do stuff with all of that. As far as evaluating talent, I don't I don't have to do I don't have to be a great scout to be an excellent dynasty player, which he doesn't. He's an excellent dynasty player, and I don't think he does player evaluation. Whereas Travis May and other people go the other route with it and try to do both. Do you have anything you do? for these kind of complicated situations for that aspect of it. Contracts are a great way to try and guess and get an inclination onto the team's intention. But do you ever like look at Tyler Johnson and or Chris Godwin or whoever else is on the depth chart and say, this player is showing signs that they could earn more targets, well, no matter what the team's intending? Well, so being in the, the Debbie, um Debbie space there's certainly a level of scouting that goes on with it um and i you know i would tend to um i i like to try to use all of it and i need to learn more on the analytical side um but i i look at it as somebody that has loved and watched football for 30 years the last 30 years um and i watch a lot of football and so Mm -hmm. i guess you would arguably say that i'd be on the tape side but i do love to play into a narrative and and look at narratives too <laughs> and so um i know that that's a dirty word around these parts um but no i i it's really just the whole package how you look into it and and real reality is a lot of it's scheme based because i think that some people have this like grand idea that a quarterback is standing back there like a statue scanning the field and and picking out the best target whoever is able to get the most open the reality is you watch these offenses and you count to three seconds five seconds the ball's got to be out of the hand so many of these so many of these targets and everything are schemed up and and offenses they're going you watch the chiefs and yeah sure brian byron pingle might score a random touchdown and and if you're the type of person that you're just looking purely at well he had 13 fantasy points then okay great but if you're watching what's happening you're watching the volume and you're watching the plays that are happening they're getting the ball to Tyreek Hill and they're getting the ball to Travis Kelsey. And that's what they're trying to do within their offense. And so when it comes to players that can potentially step up and do those roles, I think, I think one of the biggest fallacies that you see in the fantasy space would be um, let's use Jalen Guyton, for example. So Jalen Guyton was on the field a lot, especially two years ago. He was on the field a lot for the chargers, but Jalen Guyton's job on the field was to run straight downfield take a defender with him and essentially what he was was he was a fullback he was his job was to remove a defender from the play whereas they're trying to get the ball to Keenan Allen and to Mike Williams and I think that there's a level of fantasy analysis that says well Jalen Guyton had all the snaps and if somebody were to get hurt then surely they're just going to throw the ball to him but the reality of it is is he's doing his job and he's doing his job and he's not getting those targets for a reason. So if somebody were to get hurt, then it's very likely Jalen Guyton's going to keep doing Jalen Guyton's job. And somebody else is going to be getting those, those things, whoever can fit into that profile of what that team's trying to do, where that team's trying to get the ball within their offense. 
Like, how does that work with um, different types of situations? Like, Armand Ra, St. Brown, uh, you don't have a lot of contracts to deal with because the fact is they just vacated all of the targets, uh, all of the contracts, sorry. Um, but Armand Ra, St. Brown averages like 50 targets a game over the last five games, has a pretty solid rookie season for a player drafted outside the first three rounds, if memory calls. Like, how do you approach a situation like that? for what might happen going forward. Yeah, I am of the belief that, um, you know, some of it certainly came when DeAndre Swift and and um, TJ Hawkinson were out of the lineup. But I, I think that the Lions are going to continue to add talent and add more receivers around. And, you know, he, he we saw what he could do on the field. Certainly, so he's capable of producing. But do they really want to structure their offense around him doing that and, and you know certainly maybe he's cooper cup 2.0 and, and maybe that possibility was that exists. sorry i i don't mean to interrupt your flow there but like when you say cooper cup 2.0 do you mean that's how he plays or that's the role he was gonna play or well well you, you wouldn't i think that there are it's not a direct um comparison but you know brad holmes comparison okay well well but brad holmes coming over from the rams uh, and certainly there's um i think that that you know he dra- made that draft pick and I, so i think that there's probably looking for similarities in what a guy is able to do for leaving the situation that was very successful that, that allowed him to become the new gm and so that's that's would be the only reason why i would bring okay. that name in um, because you know there's there's ties between the organizations um, with the, the GM coming over from the Rams. There's success for a later drafted wide receiver to have that fantasy role, and and I think there are I think there are, are probably some things within their their usage, the way that they are used on the field, um, their athletic profiles. I think probably are, are would be beneficially stacked up to each other. You know you know neither one of these are a six foot four guy that's running downfield and catching the ball over guys or, or neither of one of them is a five foot eight gadget guy that, that, or like a Tyreek Hill that's able to um, do a little bit of both. You know, you know, they're kind of, they're winning in the similar areas of the field. Um, but I do think that the lions are on talent acquisition stage as opposed to they kind of cleared their talent teardown stage and and you know right. franchises are cyclical in terms of a new gm comes in they they move some pieces around they clear some things out clear some contracts out and then they start to build pieces and so my concern on st brown moving forward i look at the market and reality of it is probably the person that values him the most in your league already has him on their roster so to acquire him is going to be near impossible i just think that there are other pivots that i feel comfortable at his market to be yeah i I definitely uh i don't think there's a value weakness in it like but reading the situation i mean my main takeaway is not every player in that situation is able to fill that role as well as i'm rising so i'm fine ticking the yeah he's probably good box but I think it's fair to have concern because of his low draft status and because of going to be trying to build this team. There's risk there. And so you don't write him off as he only has targets because there's no one else there. But at the same no. time, you don't think, therefore, he's Cooper Cup. And you weren't making that comparison. I just thought it was an interesting name to come up. And so I wanted to kind of clear up how it came up whether it's just the role or more the style of play and if it's just a role i think that makes sense as well yeah i'm the, I'm the type that i 
I try to look at for relationships in um, everything that, and especially when it comes to the football and, and just kind of uh, this guy has coached together or like you're the GM came from this other situation. And, and so he saw it done one way. And so um, that's kind of, that's where I land kind of there on, on uh, I think there are similarities that would be very encouraging. Now, before this year, um, I don't think people were that bullish on Cooper Cup. You know, it, it's one of those things that he was probably a hell of a value for anybody that was uh, willing to go in and buy it, obviously, the way that he performed. It's also one of these things, I, I'm the type that we saw Amon Rob St. Brown do that on the field. Exactly, and, yeah. You know, we saw him produce at those levels. And now certainly defenses moving forward would be more akin to removing him from those situations. And I think a lot of times we see early success with players, defenses. It's it's one of these that um, I think about it in baseball terms of if you're a guy that you have mashed fastballs throughout the minor leagues and you get up to the major leagues and, you know, your first however many at bats you're still mashing fastballs and then they decide, well, we're only going to throw you curveballs now and you can't hit curveballs. And I think that there's a certain level of that in young football players that defenses will go one way and maybe the guy's not on the game plan. He produces and then he becomes on the game plan and he doesn't produce anymore. What the, what, what the hell is baseball? But um, so how do you go about reading that into rookie analysis like rookies going to good or bad situations yeah i think there's there's a level of reading too much in maybe but i think draft capital is essentially landing landing spot more than like teams like and if a team is willing to use a first round pick on a player that says something about a, they believe in the player, but B, that says something about the rest of their roster. And so you, you look at a, a player like Jonathan Taylor, and everybody said that that's a Taylor terrible landing spot. But I think everybody said that because Marlon Mack was a productive fantasy player. But when the Colts look at it from real football, they probably saw that there are very real limitations to Marlon Mack's game that we need to go out and get a much better player. And so they made him the guy and and i think too the other fallacy that people run into is um they, they can say that maybe like Traylon burks going to the browns is a bad landing spot because well they haven't got a production out of wide receivers and but they haven't had Traylon burks there they haven't had a player that is able to bring it up a level you know aj going way back when andre johnson landing with like the expansion texans could have been a late bad <laughs> landing spot because Derek car can't david Carr can't even get the ball out but reality of it is is they just had they, he brought their level, their offense up a level. And so guys that are that good, I think that I think too much certainly gets right into landing spot because if the guy's that talented and if the team believes in him that much that they use that high first round draft capital on him, then that's going to alter our perceived landing spots for everything. It would be fair to say you think players matter more when you're trying to evaluate what a rookie is going to do than a team situation. Then you can say no, it's, it's okay. You know, I, <laughs> I'm I just land trying to get a sense. Middle, well, I mean, I land in the middle there because we're dealing normally with, the safest place. That's fair. Well, well but but Best the reality is, is we're we're dealing with a finite pool of 
potential points. We're and we're dealing with in a team that is able to score 500 points on a season versus a team that's able to score 300 points on the season. We're talking about two entirely different conversations on that that level of potential points. And and now scenario A, the high scoring team might have more conflict for production than scenario B but I think that if you play fantasy for long enough grabbing players on good well-run teams usually tends to work out for you more often than not and and so certainly you can get in situations where maybe like an Elijah Moore coming comes in and there's just nobody there and they force him the ball and that looks great for fantasy um, but it raises two questions because it raises one is, is that his true skill profile and, or two, will he continue to do that as the team builds more talent around him? Whereas a guy, I don't know. I would think you'd feel more comfortable drafting a player that lands with a, a good team, well-run team. One, you trust that team's usage of that player that they're going to put him in good situations because I think we've seen other talent rookies that we believe are talented that either they don't get the ball or whatever reason happens. But two, I think that there's, I think there's a level of, especially when you want to play be amateur scout, you believe your own abilities, but the reality of it is, is the, the Kansas city chiefs do a better job of, finding talented players than Jeff Bell does. And and that's just the situation of it is. I don't Whereas, know that's true, Jeff. I don't know well, that's true. <laughs> you know, or like the Buffalo Bills currently are doing, probably doing a better job of finding talented players than Jeff Bell is. And so nah, they do it even worse. Now, um, <laughs> but maybe the Jacksonville Jaguars, I don't know. You know, maybe Jeff Bell can find better players than the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think that Fair there's enough. certainly certainly some com- merit of conversation that needs to go into that. Side question: Did they make you wear a little suit for your for your for your little picture here on Fantasy Pros? By the way, uh, my picture on the website. On the, yeah, <laughs> that that is uh that, so professional. You know, it's not right. That, that's from my personal my professional life, and I just needed a picture to post up there. So. I don't know. I, I wonder. Really know that's to, where most know. of those pictures come from. It's like I've you know, only got three was, pictures of myself. I guess. Yeah, I got my, yeah. My, <laughs> my picture Thank of myself you. in a suit. I, I should probably post it up here, I guess, and and look professional on this Fantasy Pro site. I don't know. I don't no, looks good. I'm not. <laughs> I was just wondering because that I happens like to pictures me all the of time. myself, like, Peter. Like my bro, like, my I, Twitter thing is black and white because it was like I looked at myself thing. and I was like, I don't, I don't want to look at myself all day long. Well, if I make it black and white, then at least like. <laughs> <laughs> not me that I'm seeing looks, in the mirror. At least it looks autistic, right? No, I'm the same. Like every every time I write an article for a different website, they're like, "Do you have a picture?" I'm like, "No, I've got like three pictures of myself. One, I'm 12 years old. The other one, I'm sitting by a stream because my wife took it. And the other one, I, I, it's blurry. I, you don't want that. It's a <laughs> screenshot from a video I did once." And so every time they ask, there's just this picture of me sitting by a stream. No, no, I'm not a particularly big outdoorsman. I'm not like Pico's near and then, streams. And then this you go on every show and people say, do you like sitting by streams, Peter? Is that yeah, exactly. Do you wear suits all the time, Jeff? Is that what you're saying yes. with this picture? No. Sorry. It's good uh, me. Um, yeah. So that leads very naturally into my question. <laughs> Uh, is 2022 a bad class? So, 
there i think that there is there there is no jamar chase there is no kyle pitts there is no um, guy that you feel comfortable pounding the table on i think so in that regard i think that you can say that it's a bad class because there's no guys that we feel immediately are going to be generational type talents but at the same time i think that they're I think when I look at last year's class and this year's class, I still kind of drop off at the same point. Like I I won an early second round pick with this year's class. Like I wanted an early second round pick with last year's class. And so I I think that, that in, in terms of that, like I'm still comfortable, like I've done some mocks recently, like I'm still comfortable grabbing, um, if McBride is there in at the 203 or 204 or if Pickens is or a guy like that, you know, I, I'm equally comfortable grabbing them as, as some of the guys that were sitting in that range last year. So in that regard, um, I, I think that there's been a lot said about um, this class falling out off. Every class falls off like at, at like 109 ish and like 204 ish. There's still breaking points in every class. Um, I think that where a lot of the talk about this class being a bad class comes uh, like the not having the Jamar chase in it. And then I think you look at next year's class and there's arguably four five, six guys that are like the Jamar chase. But at the same time, I think that you can still reap a tremendous amount of value from your all the way through to your early second round picks. Yeah, I think that, this is one of the areas where I try and step back and go, I don't know, I, I'm not an NFL team, right? And, yeah. and try and apply that level of logic. And the one thing that strikes me about the bad class narrative is I can't find a class without a rookie class without a Jamal level chase fantasy producer in it. Like, yeah, we all there are always guy must draft or must want or top tier, like it. Yeah, there's not a Jamar Chase in every class or an Odell Beckham, but we've had Keenan Allens and DeAndre Hopkins and Tyreek Hills, who was undrafted, which is also an aspect of this. Some of those turn out to be players we didn't expect, right? That yes. were more risky, that we, if we drafted, we drafted fairly low. So saying there's always a good player comes with that caveat of we might know, know who he is. And I think that's, and I think that's, what 2020 the 2020 22 i keep saying like 22 seven times whenever i try and say this year it's going to be a problem i think what it is is it's harder to distinguish and i think that's what you're saying with there's no jamar chase of everyone's got locked in at one at wide receiver and we know it Uh, i think they're actually we think we're going to be wrong on it a lot and there's there are good players here but they might be drafted in the second round or they might end up being fourth round picks or you might get a Nikki or Harry or a Corey Davis or a Trent Richardson, a high drafted player who usually a lot more secure in the first three picks than the top 12 picks or the top 24 picks for that matter. But this class, like some classes we've seen before, and there are good players here, but we might get them a little bit more wrong. And where 2021 feels so good, because there weren't so just so many good players so far, but we got them mostly right. Uh, well, I, I just don't. Yeah, I, I think Jamar Chase was um, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I feel like that was more certain than most, um, I guess, okay. is, when I see it, because, um, you know, that's a guy that immediately exploded on as a freshman uh, on a national championship team. So he's high profile and 
he was good. I mean, and he play, was playing with Justin Jefferson on the same field, and he was as good or if not mm-hmm. better than Justin Jefferson on the same field. So you see things like that. Um, I think that that that's kind of where it catapults it. I I can get there, you know, with Traylon Burks, and I feel comfortable there. I, I think Garrett Wilson is a very special player that I think it, would, mm-hmm. it wouldn't shock me um, if in a year – either of them are considered dynasty wide receiver ones that wouldn't not shock me at right. all. And even um, I think Malik Willis, you know, I think in a year, if he's a starting quarterback somewhere, his profile is athleticism. He's going to put up fantasy points. And so if he's viewed as a dynasty quarterback, one the top 12 quarterback in a year, I don't think anybody should be overly shocked because um, he's got the tools to do it. Uh, I do think that, I think a lot where a lot of the narrative on the week class comes in, it bubbles up because Twitter and like the Debbie space, I think a lot of it is the excitement over next year's class and, and next year's class is a very exciting class. There's, I think that the narrative on the draft class kind of gets driven from that group of people that carry it into Twitter that kind of spread that out like that. And then as um, as the NFL draft actually ramps up, that's kind of where the rookie fever season comes in. Like once you're inundated and if you're the type that you're what consuming a lot of media and you're watching it and once NFL network and ESPN starts really talking about the rookies, like that's where the rookie fever gets brought up. And I, I expect that we're going to get rookie fever again this year. And people are going to feel in three months, will probably feel very different than they feel about picks right now. Kind of where I feel with the class is I've been trying to, move those picks and like I did a trade a, a couple weeks ago where I traded a 211 into a 201 and so or like a you know like a 312 as part of a package into a 201 and and so people mm. have that that perception on this class being weak but I, there are you are exactly right there are players that are going to be fantasy stars in this class there are good to know i got something right every now and again to be honest i appreciate that <laughs> right all the time yeah. um with trail and burks just gonna keep on my narrative here like uh what is there anything missing in particular i'm not saying you're saying there's a problem or is there anything that shines in particular was is there something other than playing with justin jefferson on the same team that would make you feel more confident with him because honestly i'm just looking at charts and, and, and a graph at one point so i have real no sense of it and uh, just open to the idea of the do you think he's getting numbers but he's not having to work for it too hard because he's not on that national whatever it was team that you said um or is there a- anything that i might not know just because f- i don't watch devy and i'm not investing in college and i don't know really what i'm watching when i enjoy watching football so what might you miss on Traylon Burks, good or bad? I don't know. It's it's one of these things that the draft community is distanced from the Twitter community when it comes to Traylon Burks. And like I've seen like people in the draft community right. that have him as their wide receiver four. And and I think that oh, there's wow. a lot of concern coming from there. A lot of his production, um, the, Arkansas did a lot of things where they stack him into like a bubble screen where they would protect him from the line of scrimmage, get him the ball in his hands, have blockers in front of him and, and let him run that way. Or like there would be a lot of um, straight down the field type stuff. I, you know, comparison that I've seen is DK Metcalf throwing around where DK Metcalf can win and he can give us fantasy points, but only in like a certain style. And and I think that where a lot of people with Traylon Burks want to bring that to um, that overall just stud AJ Johnson or um, Andre Johnson type 
that we think about it. I've seen people say he's T.O. and like those type of things. And and I think oh, that wow. those are that's aggressive to really get there. Um, I think that I do think that I don't know. Everybody's what do you mean the, by that, uh, though? Like, obviously, T.O. is a very high standard of production. And that's what occurs to me when you say that's that's a bit. But do you mean yeah, literally yeah. the way he plays is hard to do and Burks doesn't do that? Or is a Burks is not a player that wins on every route on the route tree, essentially. Oh, OK. Um, he's good, but he's not excelling in every facet the way someone yeah, like T.O. Yes. did. Okay. Whereas somebody like Jamar Chase could potentially excel in um went on multiple different types of routes. And so that that's kind of where that kind of comes in a little bit. But, you know, everybody's on the hunt for the next Debo. And I do think that some of what <laughs> Arkansas used Burks in that, yeah. that um, I think that there's some of that in his game that if a team, if he lands in the right situation, that would be willing to use him in the, that type of situation. I think he could do those type of things. And clearly that works very well for fantasy production. I forget how important team is to the NFL or analysts that know Debbie and know the college face where they're just names to me mostly. I mean, I know the name Alabama and the SEC, obviously, but like I forget that Arkansas is such a different thing for someone who watches and knows these places. Like, yeah, you're doing it at Arkansas, though. Um, and that's important. I'm trying to ask these questions, because what I've learned about myself is, despite trying not to, I often ask a question in a way that gets me something like the answer I want, like the answers in the question. I'm always looking for a reason not to draft a player. That's kind of what my default is. I'm looking for traps. Let me know if you're trying to say something different on Burks, but I think you're saying that he just doesn't excel as well as someone like Jamar Chase or presumably top-tier prospects from previous classes. He's good, but we didn't see him in the best of all possible uh, competition levels. Uh, and so there's more questions around what he can do in the NFL. That's it. I think that's that's probably a fair assessment on it. Um, it's not one of these things that you you checked every box essentially you know he checks a lot of boxes and i think that there's there's certainly reason to buy into it and i think that he's he's going to get everything that we, we want to see he's gonna get high, he's gonna be a first round draft pick um he's obviously big he's strong fast um, he can do those things and, and that's what you're looking for in a wide receiver and you know we're talking about being the potentially the 101 or the 102 or three that whatever it might be and i i think it's I don't have any case to not take him in those areas. I would take him in those areas. You know, I, I like Garrett Wilson's a guy that I like a lot. And I, I think that there's a lot quickness uh, really matters um, in the NFL kind of more than speed does. And so I think that there's some things that projectably the way that Garrett Wilson is able to use quickness, way able to work line up in different formations and run different routes that's kind of where i end up nudging him slightly ahead of trail on burks um, but i okay. think both guys are they're they're good they're they're very good prospects but it's um spoken to who was it nathan hamilton recently and he was saying his takeaway from chase is that he needed a great landing spot because the things he does well he needed a quarterback that was willing to not be brave enough, but be willing to give him that trust because you throw it to Jamar Chase and he does stuff. I, I don't know tape, there, but essentially were, that seemed to be Nate's feeling on it, that you have to were, just throw it that way and Chase is good enough. And he needed a quarterback who would, and Burrow obviously is that guy because he did it in college as well. And, and so it's not that, I'm not counterposing your opinions and saying, see, he wasn't that great. I know that's, that's what I struggle with tape. I don't have an evaluation and great eyes who have you and Nate both are great. 
um, and you have such different takeaways. And so sometimes it's just good. No, the concern on Chase was that when you watch him, so Chase was a late separator. And what I mean by that is that okay. he's not one of these guys that wins right away and he's wide open and let's get in the ball. He's a guy that he's he and the way he plays, we see it at the NFL level. He's comfortable if the defensive back is on his hip pocket. But when that ball comes, he's going to win the ball. And and I, think I understand what you mean there. He can yeah. he can he can just turn it on when he wants. He doesn't yes. have to do it in advance. Yes. Okay. Is or like he can create that separation quickly in um yeah. And so and Burks has some of that in his game. I th- I think that there's certainly some of that in Traylon Burks' game. Um, but it's just not. And obviously, we're not comparing the two because of yeah. any particular well, reason, other than I named. Other them, than one fair, came in one player. year and one came in another year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're not comp- just to not lay that comparison at your yeah. doorstep. Yeah. I'll make you feel uncomfortable yeah. with it. <laughs> like I'm not no, saying. No, no. Yeah, I get it. Uh, I want to ask you about each and every player, but you've been here for like an hour. I got to cut it down to thirty minutes. And honestly, if you want to, and you should want to hear what more what Jeff has to say about prospects he's like works for fantasy pros or someone fan football guys one or the other we didn't clear it up very well so you can check him out at football guys or his regular podcast he's got a devi live show and a podcast and you definitely should because he's really interesting to talk about on these prayers and i should probably move on so we don't end up here till three in the morning so um i love the diamond and the rough and two of the ones that stick out to me david bell really does for different reasons but i think it, people are going to like him more that I'm describing, but Wondell Robinson, I think is really interesting just because of the, and as you no doubt know, he's taken a slightly different career path. Have you watched him or do you have any thing you want to add on Wondell Robinson, the Nebraska running back <laughs> who's yeah. playing wide receiver? <laughs> yeah. Um, does height matter to you? Peter, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. No, no, it's fine, Jeff. You don't have to pretend. That's fine. You go what you want. It has been a true pleasure, and I'm so (laughs) grateful and thankful that you reached out to me. And I'm sorry if I'm a little bit more serious when I'm on video than when I'm no, no, it's fine. I'm dropping one-liners on Twitter. And you're happy about that fact. Let's not pretend that anyone else you want to talk about, mention, shout out a podcast you want to tell my three listeners to. Because, you know, three viewers are three viewers, man. They're pretty loyal. They're, they're good people. Let them know. Yeah, I'm sure they're very good people. I've met some of your people. They are very good people. Phil is in the Phil. Um, <laughs> gosh, I don't know his last name um, off the top of my head. But he, he won my safe league and he joined in the league that I'm in. And I know he's on your Patreon and he's a good guy. And I'd love to say hi to him. Um, I should know That's his last name if I'm going to say hi to him. But, you know, Phil's a good guy. <laughs> so I'll make sure to point that out. Um, but no, he, you can find me, um, Debbie Royale, 930s on Tuesday nights. And then written content, video content with football guys. And then I also screw around with my friends on 7 o'clock on Tuesday nights. I'm coming off the edge. So we like to have fun over there. We don't do anything very seriously at all. Yeah. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play it unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the place, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. 
Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight Back and forth, there is no order, they disorder more and more Because the players ain't no older, they some hoarders or some mortars Dropping bombs without no borders, they got that eye like mortar Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore I am at a crossroads Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so Jake on the table and Nate on the place, no Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so Jake on the table and Nate on the place, no Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical Hey, so after edit, Pete, for the degenerates who stay for for the entire outro, I guess. Um, little nervous. You like I tried to edit this so it was funny, but like I really had a good time talking to Jeff, and he did some great uh, rookie anal- an- analysis after talking about Traylon Burks. But I found that height thing just a really good cutoff point, and we're past well past the thirty minute mark, and the references to Tyler Boyd and Van Jefferson came up. When he was doing some analysis of other players, that's where that reference came from, just to clear that up. And he was uh, wonderful to talk to, and obviously a great analyst. And honestly, uh, yeah, you, you should check him out if you haven't already, at For Whom the J-Bell Tolls on Twitter. Um, and football guys, to hear more of what he says uh, has to say about rookies, but I thought we covered enough uh, topics for the episode. And this was a clean cutoff point that I found to be a fun Fun little ending. Um, yeah, yeah, that was great. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Thanks very much. No, not a single meme. <laughs>